0: Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America.
1: The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaHealth.com.
0: thought about why people act the way they do? Why are some people more difficult to deal with while others are always pleasant? Let's find out together. Welcome to Human Behavior. What a trip. Your host is Dr. Jonathan Brower. Our program combines expert guests with people just like you who have questions or comments. We'll have fun exploring human behavior. Now, here's your host, Dr. Jonathan Brower.
2: Hello, everybody. This is Dr. Jonathan Brower. My show is called Human Behavior, What a Trip. And we have a great trip today. We have two guests, Tim Cantor and Jeremy Zeller. Among other things, they both are uh, very much involved with comedy and doing um, a very specific kind of comedy, which we'll get into in a few minutes. So, Tim and Jeremy, welcome to the show.
3: Thanks, Jonathan. And Thank I'd you. like
2: to—I'd like for each of you to uh, give a brief bio about yourselves, and then uh, we'll take it from there. So, Tim, why don't you go first?
4: Okay. Well, uh, way
3: back in around 1993, I was—I began my experience doing some stage—I began my stage experience. So I started doing some acting and. Started kind of being a ham on stage a little bit and having a lot of fun with that. And when I kind of continued doing that for a while, and then went away from it for a bit. And uh, over time, the I actually started writing a couple shows and a couple theatrical shows and uh-huh. produced those with Jeremy. And then we just, you know, time more time had passed, and we just kind of evolved that into, you know, what cleanup comedy ended up becoming. But I spent a lot of time. Uh, Play in different parts and different shows like Oliver or Annie and Into the Woods and shows like that. So I have a lot of uh, theater experience from my past, and then just kind of moved on from there. But a lot of it has just been uh, what uh, really a hobby, and then uh-huh. it's turned into something more now. Yeah. Um, besides that, I um, I grew up in the uh, Thousand Oaks area, and um, I, Thousand Oaks, California area, and have a family of. Uh, Four sisters and one brother, my parents. Uh And then back in 1999, I married my lovely wife, Angela, and we've been married for 14 years now. Uh We have two daughters, Megan, who is eight, and Emma, who is five. And so my main thing that I like to do now is just spend a lot of time with my family. I am currently actually attending Bible Uh college. I'm working towards my degree in biblical studies.
4: Oh, wow.
2: I also...
3: um, Thanks. Um, I also... uh, I hold a black belt in the martial art Toshindo. Then uh, the rest of my time is kind of filled with taking care of uh, cleanup comedy stuff or working on my business.
2: Uh huh. And um, and how old are, how old are you? I'm thirty six. Okay, so uh, Tim, what year were you born?
3: I was born in seventy seven.
2: Okay. And Jeremy, hear about you. What's uh?
5: Well, um, I also grew up in the Thousand Oaks, California area. Uh-huh. Uh, I've been involved with theater uh, for a long time, on both the acting side and the technical side. Yeah. Um, currently, along with cleanup comedy, I'm doing uh, sound and lighting design at uh, theaters in the area, like uh, Camarillo Skyway Playhouse and the Canal Players.
4: Uh huh.
5: Um, and then, yeah, just a couple of years ago, Tim and I started working together, and we created Cleanup Comedy. Um, I grew up here. Went to you know, New Bray Park High School sort of was a product of the community. Uh, I went to Moorpark Park College and graduated from the University of California, Santa Barbara uh-huh. with well, a well. bachelor's degree in sociology. Oh, me too. Oh, very cool.
2: Except we're, we're, we're way apart. <laughs> <laughs> I graduated from UCSB, an undergraduate, in 1966.
5: Uh, and oh, you're I graduated in uh, 2011, so yes. we're, we're, we're a little ways apart. Yes.
2: And what year were you born?
5: I was born in 1987.
2: Okay. And how did the two of you meet together?
5: Uh, we met at church, actually. Uh-huh. Uh, Tim started coming to the church that I had been attending for a while, and we started work on some drama projects, Uh huh. and we got to know each other through that.
2: And did the two of you together or one of you first um, come up with the idea of cleanup comedy? So
3: that was a, a combination of the two of us, actually. We had just finished a... Uh, I had written a show that became a fundraiser for one of our dear friends who was dying of cancer.
4: Uh-huh.
3: And we raised a lot of money to support his family uh, yes. during with the show that I had written and produced. Uh, in fact, actually, Jonathan, you saw the show.
2: I uh, saw the show. It was great.
3: So um, with that show, Jeremy had co-produced that with me. Uh-huh. And so we had worked quite a bit on that show. And when we were done with that show, we had raised a lot of money. We actually raised over $16,000 for our, our friend.
4: Uh-huh.
3: And when we were done with that, um, some time had passed. And um, we were just kind of like talking back and forth and deciding if there was something new that we wanted to work on. Uh-huh. And um, Jeremy had an idea that he kind of ran by me. I had an idea that I kind of ran by him. And then the next thing you know, Clean Up Comedy was born.
2: I see. And what, when you started, the, your first show was in 1993?
3: Our first show, no, actually our first show with Clean Up Comedy. Was, yeah. Are you talking about our first Clean Up Comedy show or first other show?
2: Oh, well, do, do both ways.
3: Well, the first cleanup comedy show was about a year and a half ago, actually. So cleanup oh, comedy is still fairly new. Oh yeah. Um, my first time on stage was back in like 1993. Um, the first show that I had written and produced was back in 1995 or 1994. So I've been mm-hmm. writing and producing some shows for a long time, and then can uh, just again kind of doing that as a hobby. But yes. The cleanup <laughs> comedy and Jeremy and I working. Jeremy and I started working together a lot when we were doing that last show, about two and a half years ago or so. Yeah. so And then Clean Up Comedy was born shortly after that.
2: So, um, would either one of you or both of you like to be um, doing this kind of work full-time and making a nice living for yourself doing it?
5: You know, that would be pretty cool to have I a job so. in entertainment industry and, you know, make a living doing acting and comedy, but yeah. it wouldn't it wouldn't be worth it without sort of the the ministry charity side that we that we do. So I wouldn't oh. I wouldn't give up, you know, a regular job if it meant I had to also give up sort of the the good work behind it.
2: The good, good what?
5: The good work, like the uh one of the things that we do with the the ministry is that we perform shows for kids in you know rough situations or yeah. kids who you know who are living without parents and and I don't think the fame is or the yeah. the comfortable lifestyle is, is worth trading that.
2: But but perhaps you could do both. It's possible. Yeah. So this is just my uh, thought here. There could even be a. Um... TV sitcom, cleanup comedy.
3: <laughs> I, don't know a, I don't know about a sitcom. Uh, the uh, our comedy shows are kind of like a cross between whose line is it anyway? That uh, that yeah. improv show from a couple years back and yeah. Saturday Night Live. So we're like a cross between the two of those. So yeah. we would. Um, I mean. I suppose it would be if a TV producer came up to us and said, hey, we'd like to talk to you about doing a TV show about, you know, clean-up comedy, comedy hour on TV, yeah. I would not reject that conversation. I would definitely okay, be interested. Yeah. And I know Jeremy yeah. feels the same way. We'd definitely be interested in sitting down and talking to them. But like you said, Jonathan, that you know, and like Jeremy was, was saying as well, we wouldn't say, yeah, let's just go ahead and do that and that's it. We would say, let's do that so we can continue to fund these free shows that we do for needy people.
2: Oh, of course, of course, yeah. You, you can do more than one thing, yeah. yeah. But that—that's just all speculation. But it can be very exciting. So um, the main thing that we're going to be talking about today is the two of you went on this um, journey, and you uh, <clears throat> were you were in a were you in a what, a, a bus
3: or? A... Uh, we were in an RV for the the tour.
2: The RV, okay. And how many people were going with you? Just the two of you, or did you have a whole entourage, or what?
3: No, cleanup comedy is made up of uh, Jeremy and I, and several other comedians as well. We have about five other regular comedians, as well as Jeremy and I. Plus, we have a couple uh, crew people. And so how many? How many, did
2: how many human started... beings were in the RV?
3: Well, that varied a little bit,
2: okay. because
3: uh, what we did was. We started, we flew out of California, out of LAX, and we flew into Chicago. Uh And when we flew into Chicago, there were six of us that um, went to Chicago. We had five comedians and one crew person. Uh And uh, we went to Chicago and we performed, uh, we actually performed ultimately three different times while we were in Chicago. We did two shows, actually, no, I guess, I'm sorry, six different, no, no, let me try that again. We performed four different times. We uh-huh. did uh, three shows at either Children's Hospital, Lurie Children's Hospital, is the largest children's hospital in yeah. Chicago, and uh-huh. then we performed at two homes for abused and neglected kids um, when we were also in Chicago. And then on top of that, there's a a, a comedy club called the I.O. Improv. It's uh, fairly similar to Second City out in Chicago, and we had an opportunity to perform on stage there as well. Uh-huh. So the, uh, the six of us, or the five of us, rather, um, no, I guess it was six. <laughs> I keep going back and forth. There was, it was a, a big tour. We okay. performed at, at those three or four different venues. And then uh-huh. when we left Chicago, one of our comedians went, uh, actually went back home. And then four comedians and one crew person continued on our way.
2: Why did that one person go back home?
3: Uh, just with the way things were structured, with everyone's availability and schedule, it just made it... Um, It was really the only way to work it out. Yeah, one thing to keep in mind when we do our shows is when we do these free shows, especially, being in the nature that they're free, we're not getting paid and we're not getting paid for our time, whether it's travel time or show time or anything. So all of us have careers outside of cleanup comedy where we need to make a living. And that's no exception to anyone. So the uh, schedule was a little bit more free for the people who stayed for the bulk of the tour which was Jeremy and myself one of our uh, comedians Damian Gravino his wife is actually a comedian on board as well her name's Kathy Gravino uh-huh. and then uh, Billy Immel is our crew person who joined us for the whole tour so Heather was the uh, Heather Linkletter was the comedian that joined us in Chicago and then she left after we were or when we were leaving Chicago The rest of us continued to St. Louis, Missouri, and uh, we performed some shows, or a show in St. Louis, Missouri, at a home for uh, neglected or uh, abandoned teens. Yes. And then uh, we kind of moved on from there. Okay. And then to kind of jump ahead a bit, we ended up, and we can kind of go back to the rest of the details of the tour, but we finished the tour in Phoenix, and we had another one of our performers, Amy Zeller, who's actually Jeremy's sister, who's also Uh a comedian. She okay. flew out to Arizona and joined us to do the last couple shows we had there.
4: Okay.
2: So uh, a few sentences ago, you mentioned Heather Linkletter. Yeah. Is she related to Art Linkletter?
3: She actually is. She's a uh, distant relative, but she is.
2: Ah. When I was a kid, I was on the Art Linkletter show. Ah. But uh, that's another time. So um, you people were um, busy doing a lot of driving, obviously.
5: Yeah, we did spend quite a few hours driving. Uh, we had a really tight schedule, so we hit the road and we just really kept going. A lot of our driving was uh, late at night.
2: Yes. Were you able to sleep enough hours to be
5: uh, ready to go for the next day?
3: Well, that's not really an accurate question, I think. Uh, <laughs> we, yeah, uh, I was going to
5: say yes and no. <laughs> yes
3: and no. Um, we didn't sleep, I think on average... Uh, Jeremy and I did all the driving uh, just because of insurance reasons and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah. And we would average, I mean, we drove over 3,000, in eight days, we drove over 3,000 miles. We were on the road for about 40, 45 hours or so. Wow. And we did that at, you know, a lot of those those hours were in the middle of the night, so we would trade off on the driving, but when you're in an RV, it's a little difficult to sleep. It's not really made for sleeping when you're driving. Yeah. So at most, I would say we probably got about two hours of sleep a night, but the uh, it didn't really matter because when you're doing something for a much bigger reason than for your own well-being and you're doing something that is blessing a lot of people, and when you have adrenaline behind you, we were yeah. totally fine. It wasn't until we got home that I had I slept for hours and hours and hours.
5: So, oh, sorry. yeah, I definitely, I definitely slept for, like, seven or eight hours straight as soon as we got home.
2: Yeah, so um, during the time you were on the road, so to speak, were you aware of being tired and feeling really tired?
3: Um, I, I mean, yes and no. There was, like, at 11 o'clock at night when we were actually parked, when we parked the RV somewhere... I had uh, an RV park for, it was in between, I think it was in uh, Mississippi actually that night. And I was like completely just exhausted. So it was like 11 o'clock at night. I couldn't keep my eyes open. Uh-huh. But the rest of the day, I mean, you just you just have too much adrenaline keeping you going. You got a purpose. You have a goal and you have something that you got to do. You got to be somewhere at a certain time. So yeah. for me personally, I wasn't feeling tired the entire time. How about you, Jeremy?
5: Um, you definitely felt it when you started to slow down. But, like, yeah. going into a show or or coming out of a show, you yeah. know, it was it was easy to forget that you hadn't slept in 18 hours or what have you.
2: Yes. So, uh, did you guys drink a lot of caffeine,
5: or what did you do to stay awake?
3: <laughs> yeah, not that we're trying to promote any particular company, but Monster Energy Drink became one of our best friends.
5: Oh, I see. I think we might have gone through a case or two.
3: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just to, especially, it was the nighttime driving. There's... There's some tricks you can do to driving at night to keep you awake and it's have the air conditioning on, playing some loud music, singing along yeah. to that loud music while you're sipping a Monster Energy drink and eating sunflower seeds. Yeah. If you do all those, it's actually a pretty effective way of staying awake.
2: And you, what do you do, shower in the RV or what?
3: Um, sometimes we would, um, if we were at an RV park, which we were able, even if we, sometimes we were driving all night, so we didn't get to stay at an RV park, but we got to park at one for about two hours before our next show. Yeah. So we would sometimes use the, the showers and everything at the RV park, and other times we would use the shower in the RV.
5: I tried not to use the shower in the RV because it wasn't big enough for me to turn around.
2: Yes. Yeah. Okay, so you just kind of want, it's like camping, isn't mm-hmm. it? Definitely. We're going to take a a break for a couple of commercials, and then we'll come back. Okay, so hang on, everybody. We'll be back very soon.
0: You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness.
1: SportsPsychologySociology.com can help you improve your ability to excel and enjoy your athletic endeavors. Call Dr. Jonathan Brower at 818-707-4557.
0: Legal Shield. Total access. Everyone deserves legal protection. With Legal Shield, everyone can access it, no matter how traumatic or trivial. Check out players.buildinglastingsuccess.com and jjbrower.com. Call Jonathan at 805-535-5111. Interested in investing in real estate, leveraging other people's money? Call Jonathan Brower and he can give you some more information. 805-535-5111. That's 805-535-5111.
1: Defeatanxietynow.com is geared to help people suffering with anxiety and depression. Intensive, short-term, dynamic psychotherapy helps many people get to the absolute core of their problems and resolve them. Call Dr. Jonathan Brower at 818-707-4557. Your life, your health, your network. Voice America Health & Wellness.
0: Listening to Human Behavior What a Trip with Dr. Jonathan Brower. If you have a question or comment for the show this week, please call in to 1 866 472 5792. That's toll free, 1 866 472 5792. You may also send an email to jbrowerphd at yahoo.com. Now, back to Human Behavior What a Trip.
2: Hi, everybody. This is Jonathan Brower with my show, Human Behavior on a Trip. And we've been talking with Tim Cantor and Jeremy Zeller, two very creative guys who uh, like being in show business in various ways. And they, for the last year and a half, have done what's called cleanup comedy. So, you guys, before we get back to the trip, so to speak, that you took, uh, tell us about cleanup comedy. How you came about thinking of that, and uh, how it's been for you the last year and a half So who wants to go
3: first? you, you want to take that one, Jeremy
2: um, Just give me the well, genesis the... of how you thought of cleanup comedy and how you went about doing it
5: so when when we had finished up with the the play. Um, I had gone and saw an improv show in Santa Barbara, Uh and I thought, you know, why not start one? There isn't one around here. You know, maybe it'll be something I'll enjoy doing. could do it on the side. And then when I started talking to Tim about it, you know, he thought, you know, why not bring in this ministry side and do something with clean comedy? And so that's Uh where it really came from. And we started by literally just trying it. We said, hey, let's let's call some of our acting buddies around, you know, see if some of this stuff will work. We had a party at Tim's house where we uh, tried a bunch of improv stuff. We had a blast. Everybody had a really good time. Uh Tons of laughs. And we are like, okay, I think we can do this. So we had auditions. um, We had a bunch of people come out. We cast a show, and we started working on things. And, um, yeah, a bunch of shows later, now, you know, this is where we're at.
4: Yeah,
5: so uh, when you
2: do your clean-up comedy and also when you're doing the improv, which preceded the clean-up comedy, um, what kinds of themes would you use? What, what kinds of things would you talk about? In the
3: Pretty shows, much. what types of things would we talk about? Is that what you mean?
2: Yeah, okay. well, either the show or the clean-up comedy
3: itself. Yeah, well, what topics,
2: top for example, would you not bother talking about, what kind of, did you want to talk about?
3: Uh, well, I guess one thing uh, that's a big focus of cleanup comedy is kind of in the name, Clean. One thing we set out to do is we find that uh, nowadays, when you turn on the TV, when you're watching uh, any kind of a movie that's a comedy, it's very difficult to watch something that's clean. There's a lot of cussing, there's a lot of sexual innuendos, there's drug yes. references, there's things like that. Yes. And... We're, we kind of set out to, not as our primary goal, but just kind of as a sidebar, we want to be able to prove that you don't have to be vulgar to be funny. So agree, yeah. every one yeah. of our shows, we don't do racial jokes, we don't cuss, we don't have anything, any kind of crude humor. We don't yeah. include any of that, and our shows are just as funny as anything else out there. And sometimes they're even funnier. When yeah. you, we, we find that uh, foul language and things like that are often used as cheap jokes. You know, yeah. if someone drops the F-bomb or they make some sort of a sex reference or a racial slur, then everyone laughs, laughs because of the awkwardness of it. Where if you don't use that stuff, you almost have to be a little more intellectual. And it's, it's actually kind of funny. At some of our shows, there are a lot of times in some of the things that we say, you can almost, like, count one, two, three before the audience erupts in laughter. Yeah. They, it's, it's like, and I'm not saying our entire show is intellectual. A lot of it can be a little gaggy or a little spoof-like comedy, yes. but there's definitely those times when, when it does get a little bit more intellectual because we don't resort to the cheap laughs.
2: Yes, so I, I would imagine that um, uh, anybody, you two guys included, could do uh, clean up kinds of comedy on all kinds of uh, issues or, or topics and have a really good show.
5: A lot of the times we get our topics from the audience, so we don't even know what's coming. So it could literally be anything.
2: Oh, so it's very impromptu at times. Yes. And does that seem kind of scary for you because you never know what's going to happen? Or do you just go with the flow and it's always at least fun for somebody?
5: It's always fun for us. What? It's always
3: fun for us.
2: Well, that's good. I mean, if it's fun for you. It's probably going to be fun for a lot of the people in the audience, I would imagine.
3: Uh, you know, our um, our shows are structured in such a way where, and when I mentioned before that we're across between Saturday Night Live and Whose Line Is It Anyway, Whose Line Is It Anyway is an improv show where improv is basically things are just made up on the spot. But what yes. we do is we combine some of the logic of Saturday Night Live. Where S- Saturday Night Live is sketch comedy. Yes. So we uh, we take some outlines for some scenes, and then we incorporate some audience suggestions, and then we do a show based on that. So no two shows are ever alike, even though the shows may be structured similarly.
4: Yes.
2: So when you do the um, impromptu stuff, do you ever get stumped for a while? Or are you very quick and you quickly bounce back on your feet and come up with something fun?
3: I, I can think I think I can almost count on one hand the amount of times that one of our regular performers has been stumped on stage. Uh-huh. It doesn't happen much, and the reason for that is because we rehearse regularly every week. We're rehearsing whether or not we have a show scheduled. We're fine tuning our skills. We're um, trying different things out and just really staying fresh. So that yeah. when you go out there, if you follow certain kind of rules that we have in place with our shows, that you know, kind of like behind the scene rules that keep things flowing then you don't really have that scenario.
2: I see. So on the rare occasions where one of you gets stumped, how long do you stay stumped before
3: you get back? Well, we're never on stage alone. There's yeah. never a scene where it's just one performer on stage. So, I see. so in you can the unlikely people. event that Jeremy and I were doing a scene and one of us were to get stumped, let's say that I got stumped when Jeremy and I were doing a scene together, then yeah. Jeremy would just jump in. So uh-huh. you would. the audience would really not even realize that we got stumped because the show would keep on flowing.
2: Yes. And um, from what I gather, both of you guys, to some degree, are religious. So do you allow yourself to have uh, religious issues being talked about and being...
3: uh, I'm I'm not a big fan of the word religious because it gets a lot of negative connotations with it.
2: Okay, what term Um, would you use?
3: We are... Well... Quite simply, we are Christians that believe that, that we believe in Jesus as our Lord and Savior. And okay. so, when you take that into consideration, the reason that we do what we do is because Jesus has called us to love people. He says, "Love God and love others." Uh-huh. So we figure that we can take the skills that we have in a comedy show, or in, I'm sorry, the skills that we have as comedians,
4: uh-huh. and
3: show people God's love via that comedy one of the reasons why we go to do shows for homes for abused and neglected kids at children's hospitals and homeless shelters we do these shows for free just so we can go in there and say look we just want to bring you some joy because you your life has been a little rough so we want to try to make things a little a little better for you at least for this hour that we're here doing a free comedy show because we love you we care about you so when you ask if we've had religious things come up, I wouldn't say that we've had religious things. I'm, I'm not sure exactly what that would mean. I mean, if someone... I mean, we, we set out saying we're here because we want to show you God's love, and we don't get any opposition to that.
4: So yeah. there's, there's
3: really no opposition built in because when you're just there, because you you're not we're not trying to preach to people, we're not trying to convert people, we're not trying to... Um, you know, force people to do anything. We're just trying to let them know that there is a God that loves them, and we're going to show it through comedy.
2: Yeah. So when you did when you did your um, three thousand mile eight stop tour. Uh,
3: Fourteen. Well, eight states, three thousand miles over. Okay. Eight um, states. Okay. About fifteen shows. And okay. we did that in eight days. Okay. Or seven Eight days. Yeah. That's
2: and so when you were doing the shows for the kids. What would what would be the
5: range of their ages?
3: The uh, we kids had were good.
5: We had kids um, at some of the shows that were a, as young as about you know nine or ten, up to eighteen. And then at some of the other shows, we had adults that ranged anywhere from young adults to senior citizens.
2: Okay, so I w- I would imagine that uh, the young kids especially might like a lot of uh, um, kind of physical kinds of uh, fun. You know, they're just being slapstick and all that.
3: You know, if you watch the old Bugs Bunny cartoons or Daffy Duck cartoons, you know, the the ones from back in the 80s and, and that era, 80s and 90s, yeah. Those cartoons, a lot of times, you'll find that adults can enjoy those just as much as kids can enjoy them, and even you know, look at something that's very well known, like I Love Lucy, for example. Yeah, you can have kids watching I Love Lucy, you can have adults watching I Love Lucy, and even today, kids and adults can watch that show, and they all find it funny. And the reason they find it funny is because there's different aspects of comedy. On you look at the I Love Lucy episode where she's eating the chocolate because she can't keep up with it on the conveyor belt. Yeah, And that's physical. That's funny. It's silly to see her stuff on her face with chocolate to get out of that scenario. Yeah. And then the adults are looking at that like, oh, wow, I can actually kind of relate because I've done weird things when I was in a panicky mode before, too. So the adults laugh because of the, the irony of it or the, the zaniness of it. And the kids laugh because it's kind of goofy. So our shows are the same. We have a lot of – we do singing. We do dancing. We do um, stand-up kind of like – comedian, stand-up comedy kind of stuff. Uh So we have a wide variety in all of our shows.
2: So basically, from the young kids to the old folks, they all can enjoy the same show. Exactly. That's really fantastic. Because I would have made the assumption that uh, it would work better for different age groups, but apparently that's incorrect. It works for almost everybody.
3: Yeah, we've performed shows. Uh, we do pre- shows for hire where companies or entities will hire us to come and do a show at their venue. And we use the money that we make for doing those shows to be able to fund our tours that we go on to do the free shows
4: uh-huh. uh,
3: or the local free shows that we do. So we've done shows. There's a, uh, a place called Leisure Village that's just down the street or just over the hill from us which is a, a home, it's a retirement community. And yeah. we've been hired to do a show at Leisure Village. So the, the youngest person there was 60. And the <laughs> oldest person there was, you know, close to 100. So, and they loved the show. They had a great time and laughed just as much as the kids do. And then Have other you? times we've, yeah. we've done shows at retreats where there's, you know, maybe teenagers or maybe there's just like men, a group of men or a group of women, things like that. We've, we've been able, there's no demographic that we cannot get laughing. Get laughing.
4: So when
2: you just mentioned Leisure Village, which is in Camarillo, I assume, right? Yes. California, for those who don't know where it is. Um, have you, do you go there more than one time? Do you go there every so often?
3: We only performed there about three months ago. So, um, and it's for one of their groups. that gets a bunch of the, uh, the, the residents that come together for various shows once a month or so. Um, since it was only a few months ago, I don't know what the future will hold there. We, we do get hired at just, like, a lot of different places. And, you know, we have, I was just speaking with someone yesterday who was talking to us about hiring us up in Paso Robles at a comedy club up there. So they want us to travel up north and do a show up there, which may happen in the near future. Uh, we've actually, because we were talking about the demographics, um, we've even performed a show in, in Mexico for an orphanage in Mexico.
2: Wow. So basically, if you wanted, you could be doing this full-time.
3: If the right promotion was there, and if there was enough money to supplement our incomes yeah. and that kind of stuff, then yeah that's possible
2: yeah so apparently the two of you enjoy doing this, and it's uh, a lot of fun and it it satisfies your needs to help people and give people um, a nice time at least for the
5: time they're hearing you and seeing you doing your work. yeah, it pretty much fills all those things perfectly, you yeah. know it's, a good show, plus we get to have a ton of fun. You know, we're having just as much fun as the audience is, and, you know, and we get to help a bunch of kids or adults. It's it's fantastic.
2: Yes. Yeah. So on your 3,000-mile, um, your eight stays, 15 shows that you went to, were they all for people of all ages, or were some just for kids or some just for adults? How did that work?
5: Most of our shows were were segmented by the groups that the the places were serving. So we did uh-huh. a lot of homes for abused and neglected kids, where their ages would ages would range from like ten to eighteen. So we did seven or eight of those, and we did some homeless shelters, which tended to have sort of older uh, older folks. Uh huh. And we did a couple others um, that had. You know, a larger variety of of ages.
2: Yeah. So, so when when you decided your itinerary and where you were going to go, how did you decide on the places you were going to go? Because because you could have done a lot of different places. Why did you pick the um, places you actually went to? Um, my question makes sense.
5: Yeah. Well, the first thing we did was we started looking for places that we felt were in our mission, which were serving kids who had no homes or or were neglected or abused and adults who had no homes and adults in rough situations. And then once we sort of had that goal, then yeah. we just literally searched the Internet and called every place we could. We probably made... 50, 60, 100 calls to venues to try and offer up our show. Uh And, you know, we talked to people. Some places it wasn't a good fit. Some places the schedule didn't fit. And then everywhere else was like, yeah, we'd love to have you. Let's work with you. Let's get something together.
4: Uh Uh-huh.
2: And uh, I would imagine the people who saw your shows not only enjoyed the shows, but I imagine... They had some um very lovely warm feelings towards you guys
5: We got a lot of handshakes, a lot of hugs um, a little heartbreaking. We even had a kid who asked one of our comedians if he could adopt him uh-huh. you know the We got a lot of a lot of positive reaction, and one of the things that the a couple of the people who work at these places said was that, you know, these kids are going to be talking about this for days and weeks. And it just really left, you know, a good impression on them. And they were just so appreciative of having us come out there.
2: Well, in addition to uh, having a good time with you guys, for some of these people, they're going to remember this for the rest of their life. I sure hope so. Yes. So it's really a win-win situation. Everybody comes out feeling good about the whole thing.
3: And we find that when you seek out to do something, like I mentioned before, that's above us, beyond us, when we seek out to God, then yeah. it is a win-win situation.
4: Yes.
2: So um, with God on your side, you really can't lose. We're going we're gonna to take our second commercial break And we'll come back very soon. So everybody, hang in there, and we'll we'll return
1: in a minute or two. Steps to a healthier you. Voice America Health and Wellness.
0: Interested in investing in real estate, leveraging other people's money? Call Jonathan Brower, and he can give you some more information. 805-535-5111. That's 805-535-5111.
1: DefeatAnxietyNow.com is geared to help people suffering with anxiety and depression. Intensive, short-term, dynamic psychotherapy helps many people get to the absolute core of their problems and resolve them. Call Dr. Jonathan Brower at 818-707-4557.
0: Legal Shield. Total access. Everyone deserves legal protection. With Legal Shield, everyone can access it, no matter how traumatic or trivial. Check out players.buildinglastingsuccess.com and jjbrower.com. Call Jonathan at 805-535-5111.
1: SportsPsychologySociology.com can help you improve your ability to excel and enjoy your athletic endeavors. Call Dr. Jonathan Brower at 818-707-4557. Learn more. Live better. Voice America Health & Wellness.
0: You're listening to Human Behavior, What a Trip with Dr. Jonathan Brower. If you have a question or comment for the show this week, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. That's toll free, 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to jbrowerphd at yahoo.com. Now, back to Human Behavior, What a Trip!
2: Hi, everybody. This is Jonathan Brower with my show, Human Behavior, What a Trip. So we have about 16 minutes to go and to find out more about these guys and what they did and how they did it. So um, do you have any particular stories that would be interesting or fun or useful for people to hear about when that took place on your trip?
3: Um, Well, there was, there's quite a bit that took place on our trip. The, uh, we we walked into a, a venue. It was a home in Arizona, uh-huh. for abuse the neglect of kids. Yeah, and our final our final state that we were performing in for this tour. Yeah. And we went to this home where, you know, we get to these places. We have no idea where, I mean, we have some basic information, like where we're supposed to meet up with our contacts and that kind of stuff. But just like when you're traveling in, a, in an area that you don't travel to a lot, it takes a little extra time to figure out, you know, where the front door is and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Well, we get to this venue, and there was... We couldn't really figure out where the front door was. we couldn't find the directory to figure out where it was, so we pull our r v in, and this guy who is kind of like the head of security at this place, he sees us from the other side of the fence, and he knows nothing about why we're there he does he didn't hear that we were coming or anything I see. so he comes over to us it's just extremely abrasive, and you know he sees a, you know some people rolling in in an r v at this home for kids. And I don't know, maybe he's thinking we're planning on kidnapping kids and putting them in the RV or something like that or what, but he, he just came across very abrasive because he was just you know, doing his job. Yes. So he's like, what are you doing here? You know, what You know what do you need? That kind of attitude. And so we, I tell him, I'm like, well, here's our contact. We're supposed to connect with these people and we're doing a show here for the kids today. And he's like, well, I didn't hear about any show. And he's just kind of angry and everything and... Yeah. And then he makes some phone calls and then he finds out about it and he's still a little bit angry because he didn't he wasn't told and he should have been told about it.
4: Yeah. But
3: he finally um he finally starts to lighten up a little bit, but not before he gives us a couple other like kind of threatening warnings, like, you know, trying to tell us that some of these kids have behavioral issues, which is very common. We go to, and actually on a sidebar, we go to these venues a lot of times where kids have behavioral issues. They, they don't know how to lash they, they don't know how to control their emotions. So they lash out. And sometimes they lash out physically.
4: Yeah. So we actually
3: go into environments where you know, other staff have been sent to the hospital because a child lashed out physically. Yeah. So, we have never had anyone, any child, even remotely become abrasive with us because of what we're there for. We're there to yeah. give them love and joy through comedy. Yeah. So it's not something that we're concerned about. We can go into places where, you know, the kids maybe have behavioral issues, and but the kids are just going to sit there laughing. So he yeah. says to me, like, have you ever been punched in the face before? Have you ever had a chair thrown in your face? And I just kind of looked at him and just simply replied, no. And yeah. I wasn't planning on having that done today. And it just kind of, like, destroyed what... It, I think he was expecting us to be afraid and, like, all of a sudden say, oh, no, we can't handle this, we better leave. But yes. we've this isn't our, our first time on the street. You know, we've been there before. Yes. And um, so it was just kind of funny. And then after that, his attitude just completely changed. And when he realized that we weren't a threat, when he realized that we were just there to, you know, do some good and, and to help out these kids, yes. he became, like, the out of any of the venues we went to, in my opinion, he was, he was my favorite host that we got okay. to work with because he would joke around with us. He, he fed us. Like, normally people will give us some snacks or something. He yeah. had the kitchen staff make us a full breakfast with, like, let's see, pancakes and French toast and sausage and yeah. a huge warm bowl of syrup, syrup and fruit and fruit juice. I mean, it was tons of yeah. food that they just brought out. And then on top of that, he was just anything we needed to get set up, he would me- immediately take care of. And yeah. he was just a really, really great guy. So that was just from a an experience of, on the staff perspective, it was just really nice to be able to have that kind of connection. Because sometimes you go into a venue and they're so overworked or the staff is just so stressed that you go there, you do the show, and they're like, okay, thanks for coming by. And then it's yeah. like, don't let the door hit you in the butt on the way out. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we're not faulting them for it. We understand that their job is a stressful job a lot of times. Yeah. But it was sure. just kind of nice to, to have that, that kind of a relationship building with the staff there. And then, you know, there's yes. all sorts of different situations we've had with the kids, like Jeremy mentioned with the the touching moment when the kid asked one of our cast members to adopt adopt him. But we've yeah. other kids where they, these kids look, a lot of times they look like gangbangers. They look like you know people that if you were walking down a dark alley and you saw them, you'd be frightened. Yeah. But these kids come up to us after the show and they just they tell us thank you. They give us hugs. They shake our hands, and it's just yeah,
2: that's you, great. You know <laughs> so, you're affecting them. I have, a, I have a specific question. So when you were in Arizona, you were at a Devereaux
3: place, right? Yeah, we were at a place, a home called Devereaux, and yeah, then another th- home called Flow crit yeah, but,
2: but Devereaux, I believe, uh, has places throughout the U.S., including uh, right near UC Santa Barbara.
3: Ah, I, I didn't know that. We um, When yeah. we were searching for places, we searched geographically, so we wouldn't have found any local ones in yeah. the, for that tour. When we're look, when, when we're not on tour, we're performing at homes for abused and neglected kids or homeless shelters and things like that here locally. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, we were at a, a home for abused kids or kids with behavioral issues in L.A. right near um, the Pasadena area. And then, in about another two weeks, we're going to be going to another home for abused and neglected kids that we so we stay local because we're a California group, and this yeah. is where we all live, so we want to do these shows locally, but then, as we have opportunities, we're going to take it out to the rest of the world yeah
2: so uh, no matter where you're going, whether it's Illinois or Southern California, when you have these shows and it involves a lot of kids who are um being helped by basically strangers. Did, did, did any of these kids get adopted eventually? A,
5: a lot of the times, what happens is the kids go in and then they they do their treatment process and they either get released back to their family or to family members or or they're not. A, a lot of them aren't necessarily like orphans per se. But they go through their treatment process and they get you know, they they work their things out and they either get adopted out or they move on to the next area of treatment. Sometimes that's yeah another facility or sometimes it's it's prison if they're not you know, if they're not you Making know, working out well with the with the treatment.
2: Yeah, but I would imagine that the majority of these kids had parents who were uh unable or um whatever they couldn't really take care of their kids well enough so right. they, so the kids go back to these parents they're not getting the kind of environment they need in many cases
5: yeah i think huh. it's i think it's part of uh, you know it's definitely a problem in yeah. in the system yes
3: what we've uh, what i've been seeing at some of the local homes is a lot of times yeah. There, there's definitely the kids that are separated from their family because of some behavioral issues or something like that, and then they get to be reunited with their family, or maybe it's not mom and dad; it might be an aunt and uncle or a grandparent somewhere.
4: Yeah.
3: Uh, yeah. Then there's other times when and I don't know what the percentage is, but there, there's a large percentage of kids that don't ever leave that place. They live there until they're 18 years old. Oh my! There's a, a home for abused and neglected kids in Camarillo called Casa Pacifica that we've yes, actually know done quite that. a bit there. And we've we've done several shows there. We've also taught a leadership through comedy course to a lot of the kids there. Uh And we've done stuff like that. But, you know, we watch as these kids are there year after year, and they finally get discharged only because they've aged out, because they're 18, 19 years old. And that's a really kind of scary thing, because those kids that age out don't necessarily have what they need to have to make it in the real world. They don't have a family to fall back on necessarily, (coughs) and, and... You know, who knows what's going to happen to them. So we're also optimistic. That's why we taught this Leadership Through Comedy course over at Casa Pacifica. We're optimistic that we can teach them some skills that will help them with interviews some skills that will help them with public speaking and things like that that may may be that one little thing that they need that makes a difference between them landing a job and landing themselves into trouble.
2: And yes, and and some of those uh, young adults might also be people who could do the kind of comedy shows you do.
3: Ah, absolutely. We've, yeah, absolutely. We we teach them some of the skills to do it. So if if we were approached by one of them at some point, then we would we'd love to sit down with them and you know let them audition and see if it worked out.
2: Yeah, that's really nice. So um, what are some other stories you have to tell us regarding the interaction you had with the kids or the adults or?
5: I think probably uh, my favorite place that we went to. Yeah, was uh, Covenant House in Missouri? Just because what they're doing is they're they're giving young adults a chance to come off the street and work through their program. You know, uh-huh. they get them off the street, they get them sober, and then if they are able to work the program well enough, okay. they give them a room. They um, and then they have to get a job or go to school. They offer programs to help them finish their high school diploma or get a GED, Um, they help them get placed in jobs, Uh and they give them up to a year and a half to live there uh, without paying rent as long as they're working, and then they can really help them get back on their feet. It just seemed like such a great program that they had going there, and when we were there, you know, we were able to perform this show for these guys, and they just really appreciated it. Oh, and it's uh, high school-age? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, these were these were high school age. I think they were all able to be up to, like, 20 there.
2: Um, so some and, uh, of these guys and gals at these places, like the Covenant House, if they've been there for a good chunk of time, that can be one of the places they can connect with when they want to and, and have ties with those adults.
3: I and, know that they do. Some yeah. of those homes will provide services to the kids after they leave yeah that, it varies um, i've i've heard good stories about what they do after the kids leave at some venues and i've heard um stories that weren't also all that great that yes. you know maybe like a lack of contact and um it just it varies it varies on a lot of different things these places need funding so that they can hire people to do aftercare these places need funding so they can have more programs in place for the younger kids and as well as the people that are aging out yes. and um so you know we with with our skills and our gifts, our you know we figure, you know, we can't do everyone would like to or a lot of people would like to be able to serve any way they can and to help places and to help kids and stuff like that. Sure. But we find that a very effective way that we can do that is through do our comedy show because we just give them that joy that they don't often get.
4: Yes.
2: And um after you finished your tour have you made an effort or wanted to make an effort to stay in touch with some of these people?
3: Yeah, I've actually been in touch with um, two of the venues that we were performing at. Covenant House, the one that Jeremy just talked about, and yeah. then also uh, Florence Crittenden, or Float Crit, which is another one in Arizona. We're, we're talking to them and discussing possibly getting together with them again sometime in the future. Oh, I see. Not only just doing another comedy show, but perhaps doing a a quick, you know, seminar on leadership through comedy, and I'd even uh, teach some self-defense, basic self-defense skills um, because of my martial arts history. The logic behind that is I was actually told by one of them recently that one of the young girls who stays at Covenant House approached the coordinator there and said that she would really like, you know, one thing that she would really like is someone to teach them some self-defense because she was just groped when she was on the bus earlier that day. So you have stuff like that happening where it's there's a lot of sick people in the world. And if, yeah. if a young man or woman is going to be grabbed or assaulted by someone, it would be very nice if they knew some really basic things to just get away.
2: Yes. Yeah, so as you're talking, it seems to me there are many, many ways in which you two and other people like you could help a lot of people and somehow get uh, enough income to comfortably live while doing this kind of thing.
3: Oh, absolutely! I mean, if we if we didn't have to have our regular jobs for a living, and we were able to somehow have enough funding to really, really promote cleanup comedy, and and we would spend a lot of time on tour. I would imagine we would be I mean, we went we did fourteen shows on this tour, but we didn't even remotely scratch the surface on the number of homes that are like that out there. We can literally spend years and years just going to the same homes. And then also more kids come into the system. So we can perform for a full year at 360, you know, one show a day or something like that for 365 days. And then the very next year go back and do those exact same venues and it would be all new kids or at least, you know, some new kids. So, and then not to mention, I mentioned that we've, Gone uh, to Mexico Well we did a show Completely in Spanish In Mexico Because one of our Performers is bilingual And his uh-huh. wife is also bilingual yeah. So they translated And we were, did that And the kids loved it there So we, we're not limited To the US We can go yeah. wherever you so know, where it, could be,
2: it could be anywhere On the planet Absolutely Yeah But of course um, You all You know—you have young kids And all that So you can't be away All the time
3: I would have to Figure out a way Where I could bring My family with Yeah, yeah. definitely true
2: And that could be done, you know, if you're doing homeschooling and stuff. Yeah, absolutely. It could be doable. So that's very exciting. I mean, this could really um, proliferate into something wonderful for everybody.
3: Yep, definitely.
2: Yes. So we have one minute to go. what, if anything, would you like to tell the audience in the next uh, 55 seconds?
3: I'd I'd probably give a little commercial and just say if you'd like more information about Clean Up Comedy, if you're interested in booking us at your venue or talking to us about performing uh, for your church or for your senior group or for any kind of a corporate event or whatever, then contact us at www.cleanupcomedy.com. That's cleanupcomedy.com. And uh, just contact us there. There's a contact us form. We will be... Happy to get right back to you and talk to you about the pricing, okay. uh, what we offer, and what we can do for you.
2: Okay. Would you like uh, a phone number for people to call you or, not, or just do a... Uh,
3: you could also uh, call us, but we're a little bit easier to reach via email because of just of all of our schedules. Our phone okay. number is area code 805 805 410 Okay. So, by right, phone or e- phone or email and you can email us through the website. You can also email at info at cleanupcomedy.com.
2: Oh, now you did you did info? Wait, say
4: that
3: last one again? Well, we got our website www.cleanupcomedy.com. Yeah. Our email is info at cleanupcomedy.com and our phone number is 805-410-3130. So
2: info at cleanupcomedy.com.
3: That's it.
2: Okay. Well, thank you so much. I'm really pleased to have you guys on the show. And I think what you're doing is wonderful, and I hope you can do a lot more of it and uh, help the world be a better place.
0: Thank you very much, Jonathan.
3: Okay, thank thank you.
2: you. Bye-bye.
0: Thank you again for listening today. Tune in every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time for Human Behavior, What a Trip, with Dr. Jonathan Brouwer on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have fun experiencing your human behavior.